This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. You're listening to a live stream recording of Brain Fuzz on site from their residency at the Temporary Arts Centre in Atlanta. It's messier than usual, in a good way. In this dynamic first episode with a couple, Joe and Matthew speak with artist Jen Ray and electronic music producer, among other things, Jason Forrest about, well, all kinds of stuff, and Jen's specific works on view at the Temporary Arts Centre. history here. I, I moved here in 96, and just in time for the Olympics. And then I worked at a variety of funny jobs. I worked um, at the High Museum as a volunteer, and I worked on a huge Howard Finster exhibition, and I came in to carefully clean all of his objects wow. from his studio. I mean, I'm talking about cleaning a pencil with really? a tiny, tiny cloth um, under the direction of Tony Rager, who was, um, uh, what do you call him, man about town, well, he's conservator, an art, conservator yeah. uh, art guy who they, who they hired. And then he hired me. And, oh, he didn't hire me. I was a volunteer. And actually, that's where I met Saskia Benjamin, who I'm friends with from Art Papers, as you know. But we were two young 20-somethings cleaning the tiniest, tiniest objects from Howard Finster's collection. So So it's interesting because we moved to Atlanta from, we we were ambitious art school kids from Winthrop University that had literally just left school, moving to the big city, moving to Atlanta. It was our second night in the city. We went to, or maybe even our first night in the city. We went to the contemporary. It was an artist talk. Because we were looking like, what's the art thing? And we uh-huh. went to this artist talk, and it was at the old Contemporary, which was called Nexus at the time. Actually, in the book, mm-hmm. they had the, what was it? Nexus Press. Nexus Press. There yeah. we go. There we go. Thank you. Sorry. And it was so our first night, and we meet this guy, Tony Rager, who actually ended up having a pretty large shadow on our lives for a few years. Shadow makes it sound negative. But anyway, he was an awesome guy, wasn't it? Wasn't but it's funny, that was literally our first night in the city. He influenced us a great deal. And it, honestly, yeah. it just... It just happened yeah we just were in uh, everything like, well pretty and then much shortly it, after that but then i was at the high museum so i was doing this mm-hmm. volunteer work and then i was hired at fulton county so i worked for the fulton county arts council and then i went back to the high museum for like a legit job as exhibition coordinator so they hired me to handle like the biggest exhibitions because th- back in that time period they started having multi-million dollar shows because it was like the, the time of the blockbuster exhibition yeah. so they hired me to work like a general person on those exhibitions so i've always been like in atlanta more tied into the museum world more or less or like the institutional art world and then jason uh did a lot of curation when we lived here yeah so we were both artists but you did a lot of curation i've always just been doing a lot of organization stuff and like jen and i co-founded along with some other friends a, a student art group at this Winthrop university it's still going to this day uh, so then we came here. I, I think we were started organizing stuff like pretty shortly afterwards, and so I organized a show that one of these pop up spaces at uh, Peachtree Lofts, which I think ended up becoming uh, the Utrecht Art Supply Store, okay, uh, or something like that. But it was like really when that part oh, Peachtree. of of Peachtree in Midtown wasn't really mm-hmm. even that as explored, and I just oh, pulled right. in, yeah, yeah, it was right on the corner from the Margaret Mitchell House, Ooh. and. Uh, I was a photographer, and we just kind of pulled in a bunch of friends and random people and my photography professor. Um, and Kathy Fox, who was the main art critic for the AJC, came in. And she was looking around, and I don't know, I was just talking to her. And then somehow uh, she said, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I have this art over here, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, 
well, would you be interested in writing art reviews for the AJC? And I was like, I would. <laughs> and, and I was like, yes, of course. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Arrogance of youth. And so, yeah, and, that's, and then I actually was, a, was an art critic here for about two years before wow. I was fired. He was fired for writing a bad review. Well. Okay, uh, well, you were fired for being there's like... There's got to be more to it. I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> uh, and there was a little bit of discussion around that yesterday. And I don't know this. We don't know the story, do we? Do you know the story? I don't we know the story. We can't tell the story because About it what? involves someone. Like, okay, we we just thought, like, Jason thought it was his mission, <laughs> which is funny. No, 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 no. You thought it was your mission to tell the super honest truth yes. as you saw it. About exhibitions in Atlanta, I was under. I was under critical journalism. I was under the misconception that art criticism was really about uh, an individual's take on the artwork, and I did actually very. I was very serious about trying to always put constructive criticism to talk about positives, not just to like rip a show apart because it was negative. But I did not hold back on saying critical things, and (laughs) it it created a lot of stir. (laughs) Uh, it was yeah. unusual at the time. And then you had like this cocky 20-something oh, writing yeah. for our paper of record. Just, you know, it was, it, yeah. So you got in a little bit of trouble. You got in a little bit of hot water. So when it well, got... Well, like, were you warned? And then, I mean, they just came out of the room and said, no, no. you're fired. No, no. It, I, 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 we're, I, we're being a little provocative here. The you basically, took off your press hat. You stomped on it. I know, exactly. I know, my fedora. Um no, I, I think the point was is that uh, the truth is that it was like a budget cut, uh-huh. and so f- like first one in, last one in, first cut. one out. Um, but I think the issue, and also the other thing is that we, and I know that this has been something that we've seen regularly in Atlanta, is that, you know, as newspaper leadership changes, the staffing footprint changes. And at that time, the arts editor was much more interested in performing arts. And she was honest. She was like, I just don't really like visual arts as much as I like performing arts, and we're going to do more of that. And I found that really interesting. I mean, now I actually quite appreciate the candor. Yeah. But um, but at the time, I wasn't so sure about it. And because uh, I had been particularly critical of a person that is a, is a major benefactor of a lot of, of Atlanta arts professionals, I think that that came back to show negatively on me. Came back to haunt you. Haunt me, yeah. Which is a shame because, you know, we've been in some discussions at uh, at the Atlanta Contemporary, for instance, where journalists from various organizations out of state were in, and there's this, like, clamoring for these really big, you know, we want truthful, hard-hitting reviews, and then when it happens, everyone <laughs> loses their mind. I can't believe you would say that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it, the separation of the work from the person is apparently. I mean, right? I never really. Able to, I really. I always felt like I didn't feel like I was a target. People were always very nice to me, but I'll tell you, face. and I'll name one name here, which I thought was maybe yeah. I should. Oh, oh. let's lean in. Let's just this. say that we had a very, very prominent uh, art dealer, okay. and I'm just going to tease and, that, and 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 she had not been super interested in talking to me before I became this art critic, and afterwards she was highly interested oh. in talking to me. Okay, wow. but to be honest with you, again, like as an older person now, like looking, you know, back at this twenty years ago, like I, I, why wouldn't you? If you're a gallerist and there's a new art critic in town, of course you're going to be friendly to well, that person, it, especially if you don't know them. But you, you don't right? have that many critics. Like we're still in a town where, I mean, luckily we have like a, a publication like Art Papers because that a lot of cities they don't have that. But there's not that many people in the game, so of course they have to. 
you know. And then on the flip side, there's a bunch of people walking through these galleries every day. You're not going to jump up and stop your work and like go chase after every one of them to find to explore universal truths. Yeah. No, you're just going <laughs> to. Well, like some of the great true. critics, like you know, in music, thinking of like Lester Bangs and folks, folks like this, I think they were renowned because they were honest or attempted to be honest even through the haze of mm-hmm. what was this Kaufman and Ramalar? No, he, well, uh, I thought he drank um, Nyquil. Maybe no, I thought it was Ramalar, uh, but it was yeah, it <laughs> was right. Um, <laughs> what a high! That's so. But weird. you know, you look yeah. at Jerry Saltz, you know, trying to grab headlines, etc. But he'll he'll take a position, and it's just odd now that everything it's kind of like that good game. I mean, I don't. No one's looking for a negative review, but I mean, like you know, we always talk about the Beatles and stuff or the Stones. They've made some horrible sure. things. Like everybody is going to slip the up every the now. Beatles the Beatles actually didn't make anything bad. They didn't make anything bad. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw a few. <laughs> I'm a huge Beatles. <laughs> There's a few things that I'll still a song. I mean, it's not like, like every Octopus's sing- Garden. Is that what you mean? Uh, <laughs> I never was a fan of like some of George's like, and I loved playing sitar, but like that stuff was always like without that you, could be okay. off the record. Uh, some of Paul, every now and then Paul got... Some of John's stuff, even on, on the White Album, luckily they edited that down. They're this human, is, is what I'm saying. But after <laughs> listening to the Escher demos, right. now, yeah, I now you're... understand Revolution Number 9 oh, yeah. better than I did. But uh, anyway, <laughs> big, sorry. That's, that's got to be really hard, <laughs> though, as an artist, you know, because the other thing we're always battling with is how people will put you in a box or a silo, and if you're making stuff and then you jump to being, like, quote, a critic... You know, unless you're Donald Judd, right. it seems like wow. There's well, some. There, there's going to be a price I if mean, you stick your neck out. Yeah, and the, I think a, that's very true. And it's really fascinating because you know, when I went from being an artist to all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I'm an art critic now. Like, how the hell did that happen? And then you know, I started to like read all of these other magazines and and articles and, and reviews more critically, and I, I came to realize that there's kind of really only a few types. There's like basically reviews. It's basically all about the person who walks in. They talk about the coffee they had, and then they make, maybe <laughs> drop a few hints about the art. Um, there's people that only basically tell you the story of the press release, and then kind of you can tell how they feel about it by how they slightly wrap in descriptive language, slightly more positive descriptions, or slightly more negative descriptions, and that's kind of it. Or there's people that are really trying to like rip the work apart and explore what it's about, and. The truth is that almost no one really actually is interested in that third category because it, it doesn't really benefit anybody. It, we it, we what, think you it, need to dig in and find out about the work? Why, why would you be interested? Why aren't people interested in that? I don't know. I don't I'm know. But sure like you true. said a moment ago, it's like something that everyone kind of, like they aspire to, but when the reality shows up, they're kind of like, ah, no. But I think it's... Galleries don't want it. The artists don't want it. And to be honest with you, I think it's more. Uh, I think it actually really feeds the the ego of the art critic. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's, I mean, that's... so there is an article that I'm dying to talk about. Uh, uh, Barry Schwabsky, who's written uh, the forwards for like all the vitamin P mm-hmm. surveys and all that sort of thing, and uh, I believe he writes for the Nation. I don't read, the, really? but anyway, he wrote an article recently about, and literally the title was "What's Wrong with Like the New Figurative Painting." Oh, and we joke about how, like, everything that I that we kind of throw out on the table to talk about, there's always something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, oh, you just don't like it, um, or something like that. And, like, I normally like his writing, and I really thought, like, is he just, like, desperate for eyeballs, yes. clicks, or what? You know, like, I, I'm sorry to seem so naive, yeah. I know, but you're just no, like, no, but why I think would you that, such a clickbait? Yeah, but the title, yeah. oftentimes now, you know, 
you read the title and you're like, what? And then the article, of course, is not that. It's the opposite. Or and you know that, and you know that the writers else. often don't write the right. exactly. headline. But right. what did he say was wrong with the new figure? <laughs> Jen's like, do tell. Okay, and, I, and he always, let, I, I make this, I have this bad habit sometimes when I pass, because I'll like print them out. And, and I, I love like, that. And I underline yeah, and have a lot of we would have staff margin. But, but it's bad to give somebody the the copy that your own notes are already on because he's always like <laughs> highlighting freak. Like, what's what? the matter? No, I love that. But but it does give me. It, it, yeah, I, it colors I, my I, reading. Right. right, I know. With I want to give exclamation you a, marks next to uh, sentences. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but he, uh, I, it kept going back to you know, like there were certain artists that you know Elizabeth Neal or Nicole mm. Eisenman that. He, he was fine with what they're doing, but some of the more current, he just was throwing them under the bus. At, it's too academic. It's And it was just like, no, you just don't really like it. And if it is academic, fine. But then, to your point, should you be writing about it? Is there a better use of And it's a long article. Because I had to cut and paste it because <laughs> sure. there was no print button. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it, if I'm going to write all this out in this book with my handwriting. Well, and then you get back to Jerry Saltz again, right? Who is able to kind of do all three, right? Yeah. Because sometimes he'll, like, basically reset the table stakes and say, like, okay, well, you know, as a community, we really should be interested in X, Y, and Z, kind of really analyzing the whole culture of, for example, art fairs. Like, he's been a big critic of that. And then sometimes he'll talk about the work, and sometimes he'll very much be like, oh, you know, I was having a coffee, and I stumbled into this thing, and I saw this great show, and it made me feel alive again. And that's kind of who he is. But I do think that... <laughs> that's good, I, I, somehow. He, even though he's not thought of as a very deep or academic yeah, writer, compared to I do Roberta. think that, unlike the guy you're talking about, who kind of creates this closed environment, where it's like, this is my opinion bubble, and you can dip in, but, you know, whatever. But with Jerry Saltz, I do like the fact that his door is kind of open, and it's like, and That's I feel true. like he's saying, this is how I feel, but hey, you may see it on a different day and think something else. Well, so. actually, and what's interesting about that is I've noticed that he's changed from being like, this is how I think. Yeah. But now he's like, I dare you to make me think differently. Yeah. But he's turned into be a bit more confrontational, and he's used it to great advantage because his social media is That's, like, yeah. He's yeah, but, but because his social media following is pretty brutal, like even his quote fans, and he's very divisive, yeah. which yeah. is silly because I don't think he should be that divisive. He, he's not that tough and rough. But anyway, people, because they're artists, love to tear him up, like in all those comments. So I think he has become more combative because. His audience is combative with him mm-hmm. constantly over literally a fraction of one of his sentences. But yeah. it, again, it gets people talking, and I think I think he's like Trump in that regard, like Trump's Twitter feed. It's amazing. Salt well, I think like, a lot of people have learned from that. I mean, even I will say sometimes, like, well, if you say it enough times, yeah, then yeah. it becomes oh, true. Yeah. Instead of always thinking like, what is the right thing to say, and then they just blurt it out. <laughs> well, now I had the impression that you also wrote for art papers. No, no, I never no. did. But I'm always, and this may be why we semi-know each other, but I, I uh, contribute to their auction every year. Oh, and I, okay. And I try to keep, I, I, I mean, I totally support them, and I think what they mm-hmm. do is fantastic. So I'm always kind of like dipping in, or I'll volunteer, especially to give them artwork for if they have a fundraiser. So you may see my name floating around Atlanta okay. now and then. But yeah, so I then you, you were the lightning rod then. About lightning rod. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> He was Jerry Saltz before Jerry I, was I Jerry. Say, I would just say ready for you. They were. 
<laughs> I would say that I was a loud mouth, and Jen was like the real artist. Like most of the people would come over and they'd be like, they'd be like, oh yeah, so what are you writing about? And they, yeah. So anyways, Jen, let's see what's in that studio. No, no, no. You know what? The, the conversation interest would pivot quite quickly from been, me to you. You've always been a provocateur. It really, yeah. you really have absolutely, and uh, and you enjoy that. And sometimes I'm like, you know, do you really believe that? Like. Le- no, <laughs> I really, I really labored but over you those like reviews. Put it out there. I, I, I put it out there, uh, but I did labor over those reviews, and I've learned a lot about how to be nice, and when you go over the line, what that is. You learn a lot yeah, about but, yourself, but, especially but, you as a young know, person. It's all of a sudden now, the, though, in this like on a, basically like in an Instagram era. You know, can you imagine the comments that you would get? Yeah, but he, you do write, and you do yeah. invite comments, and you're on Twitter, and I mean, I think you're still throwing some little truth bombs out there here and there and you do get blowback but I have to say that you are much better at handling that like I had a kind of a troll situation one time and it was very it's like my first troll which should be a book my first troll <laughs> anyway I had an, article, had an article written in all places Vice Magazine and oh. it was a, a review of my show and it was totally positive um and, and I say that because it was written by a friend so she wasn't being critical she was saying like I just went to this show and X, Y, and Z happened so anyway, it was published, and then on the comments, this guy was like, this work, you know, sucks, this is stupid. Just, it wasn't anything that just pure stupidity. And so, because it was my first troll, and it was kind of early in the game, I was like, you sound really sad and lonely. Like, are you okay? Like, I wrote that back in the comments, and he was like, you're right, I am sad. <laughs> oh, are you serious? <laughs> you may have helped this person. I don't know, but it, it was a decent <laughs> troll interaction, because it's not like I wrote back and I'm like, you Jen son of a bitch, you stupid. I was like, well, you wanted you? to. Boy, okay, you're right, you're right. At first, you're like, I'm going to write you back. She's but, also yeah. the hothead, and, and yes, since sir. I had the been... The hothead I am, like, like very well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's explosion um, right there. Wow. I just picked the heat miser. <laughs> but, I mean, after a while, you start thinking about these comments, and you're like, who are you? Like, to write something just dumb, and, you know, this is your life? So well, anyway, I treated so, it like that. That was just a sad dude on a computer. How... <laughs> In his mom's basement. In his, I, that's how I like to picture. We all do that. He's like a businessman. Oh, he's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how, when we talk about criticism not being where we want it to be in whatever city you're in, um, is it that criticism really there is a problem with criticism, or is it that it's just changing, and the medium is changing? I had a uh, a. a a Twitter argument with a guy over, of all things, the choice of colors used in map making. And uh, we were talking about this, and I was like, well, you can't do blah, blah, blah. And the guy wrote me back this offhanded tweet that I had thought I was obsessed about for months. And I was like, well, the problem's this. And he wrote, he just wrote back, the problem is people. And I thought, like... <laughs> Oh my God, you're totally right. In everything, it's always people. And what I really thought, what what really struck me about it is basically like people are complex, Mm -hmm. issues are complex, like it's just humanity and that's just how it is. Yeah, but there is sometimes you do feel like there's a right and a wrong and like sometimes with criticism you're like, this is wrong and I have to tell you why and it's absolutely that this is wrong. Like a super bad movie. And and to be fair, if it's only positive criticism, then that actually ends up being a, a big negative. Or it's advertorial. You yeah. know, like, that's when you're like, it's basically the press release and 
Oh yeah, which is so much of what we read, you know. And it's so like, much. I, you know, you want to like people, but um, the other thing was when we were in school and we lived in when we lived in when we went to school, we were, I, my whole art world was magazines, reading art forums, sure. like this, and I had this thing idealistic impression that there was a global discourse on art. People having serious serious people talking about the issues. And it definitely does happen in pockets. And when we were here, I felt like we were part of that in Atlanta. And I felt like people talk about the art. And when I particularly got to New York, I never found it. We had found academic discussions at times. But I never found people really having a discourse. I found people complaining about galleries or studio space or living mm-hmm. right. conditions. And I was never involved in that in the visual art world. And so that's why I pivoted over to music and became a musician. Yeah, you were... Di- you When we moved to New York... So we moved to New York from Atlanta. I wanted to move to New York directly after school. And you were not quite ready to do that. You're blaming me. Well, no, <laughs> I don't blame you because I actually do think Atlanta is a great... I like living here. I mean, I love Atlanta when I come and visit, especially. But um, I do think it was a, a nice way of transitioning. Yeah. It, but it, I don't want to make it sound like that. Like, Atlanta's just a stopover. It wasn't like that. I just didn't know what to expect here. And it actually, because of the time period, and again, around the Olympics and the yeah. cultural Olympiad, also, what, that was really exciting because you had all of these really big artists coming into the Absolutely. city. And I was working yeah. with some of them directly, and I got to see their process. So, in a way, it was more intimate an intimate relationship with artists here in Atlanta than it would have been just going to New York. Right. Um, so eventually we made our way to the city, but you were not quite ready to do it. But when we, when we got to New York, I think because Atlanta had been so rich for both of us as far as like our relationship to culture here, and then when you get to New York, it's like nobody cares anything about what you're doing. <laughs> or even you, like we had this thing happen, which was very yeah. funny. We... This person shall remain nameless, but I'll probably name drop him later. But anyway, we we had a friend from Atlanta that was that was in New York, and that was like the only person we knew. We went to a oh, very yeah. big gallery opening, and we were like, "Hey, you know, we were you know waving, hey. so excited, we were like to across, see this across the street, this, this like, Atlanta hello, person." Old friend. And he just was like, no way. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, Are you serious? I, I don't think he would cop to it now, but that's the that's how we felt. We were like, he's like, uh-uh, <laughs> nope, I do not yeah. see you, and I'm busy over here. And oh, wow. Yeah, so I feel like for, for Jason in particular, that was a bit disheartening. And then as you started going to get getting more involved in galleries, which you were really involved in the Chelsea gallery scene. But it was really becoming a scene. But it w- didn't feel very cooperative, and it didn't feel very like it didn't feel like um, an exchange in any way in New York at that time. Yeah. And then then you started getting into music because music at that time was very much the exchange. You know, you're trading music with people, you're going to their concerts. Nobody's really making money off of it, but mm-hmm. you can have relationships with people, and it, it just and it felt very creative. And then the art world in New York just seemed like very closed, like like literally. That anecdote, right. it was like shutting a door. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. nope. <laughs> and so, and why, I bring that whole thing up because I find it quite interesting that the conversation that happened earlier today at the gallery here, uh, insert title, um, was this? much more the dis. <laughs> it's probably the best art discourse I've heard in years and years. Far better than anything I've heard in New York because. People don't, ha- they don't talk about it in New York. There's other things that are more pressing. And 
or it's very intellectual, and so it's kind uh, of or, yeah, it becomes like academic, and right. everything's just kind of like yeah. So the discussion sterile, becomes very intellectual, yeah, yeah. and you're not talking about being an artist or what it's like. And I think we need to have. I mean, people have been saying this for years, but we need more discussions about what it's like to be an artist and to navigate that world and the financial costs of being an artist. Like something a little more honest. That's what yes. I want to hear. Somebody being yeah. honest. Yeah. For once, and not just not just speaking to their high blown concepts, you know, all the time. It's like I, I understand that, but how are you doing it? And perpetuating and the arts industrial complex myth. Yeah, and that myth is is very strong. Oh yeah, and, and I engage in it constantly, and I've always engaged, all my working life. I have been a part of that myth making and that mythology, whether it's swanning around at some event as if you have money when you don't because you're basically working for a nonprofit while you're around millionaires and billionaires. Like, I love that. When you're making, like, $22,000 a year, but you have to mingle with donors, you know. But you all have to pretend you're in it together. Mm, you all yes, have money. Right. It's like... Wow. All it's, part of the conversation. Right. The larger and, dialogue. Yeah, so you're engaged in it, but it's... 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 Yeah, it's... Sometimes it's a bit much. You're like, why can't we just be honest about this? Who's who in this world? There are expectations, I think, and we heard this in the talk this morning. There are expectations that people bring um, to life, the creative life, and then it kind of starts to cross over and do entitlement, which is, I know it's a word that, you know, it's problematic, but that's all part of the myth, right? Yes. Do you find there are differences? Because we're not just Atlanta, New York. You've also lived in Berlin. Mm -hmm. Does that change? The entitlement part of it? When you say entitlement, what does that mean? It was like, uh, I heard the phrase support structure used today. Mm. Uh, and so when I hear support structure, I think a good, oh. healthy collector base, a good, healthy um, uh, gallery system, yeah. infrastructure would be good. So I guess I've always had a little beef with the idea that somehow the arts always needed government funding. And then I started, when we lived in Berlin, we, we, it just happened that we had a bunch of friends from Norway. And, and Americans don't realize, but Norway literally has too much money. And they have conversations where they'll pull all the cultural organizations together and they'll say, we have too much money. How do we get rid of it? And they are actually funneled just loads of money into their arts. And there's tons of musicians. There's some great visual artists. I mean, so it, it really, you really can create an arts culture if you support it with government funding. <laughs> I've also heard Ireland is um, very friendly. It, it could be. They have tons of money because they're kind policies. of like a tax haven for Europe. And it's, you know, it's, I think the other thing that's funny is that in America, we always have these problems where we're talking about like really putting too many, um, you know, constraints and taxes on rich people because we all assume that we'll be rich one day. You know, everyone does. And some, so somehow you don't, like, don't want to like stab yourself and shoot yourself in the foot, right? Um, but the reality is that, you know, with support, whether that be a collector base or, or institutional funding yeah. or governmental funding or grants or whatever, you do need that money to keep going. Yeah, but we rely on benefactors as opposed to government support. So some people that are able to break through into a marketplace get those funds. Yes, but there are a lot of people that don't. That don't. Or maybe their work is something that's not saleable or 
you know, they haven't created a product. I mean, the people that get the benefactors usually have created a product but of it's, some But it's sort. so much more than that. Sometimes people just aren't good at documenting their work. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes, right. sometimes they're jerks. Sometimes okay. they're really, really shy, you know. And it's like a gazillion reasons to show why some, or to explain or to uh, account for why some people are fabulously wealthy and successful and almost everybody else isn't. Yeah, but what are you saying? You're Are you pro more support or like I'm saying you gotta, you, support? you got to find some way. You've got to take a position right now. And yeah, right. <laughs> my, my point is that you, you need certain, there are certain things that are needed to have a thriving uh, 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 artistic, community. yeah, creative yeah. culture. And True. one of them is money. Whether it comes from a benefactor or the government or the city or even like, you know, if there was some really strong museums here that had grant programs and studio programs, like any, you, it, it can come from any one of those things, but it has to be an element. It has, it's in part of the, it's an ingredient. But, you know, every city, it is a bit different. Like in New York, people complain because there isn't enough to go around. Then you have so many people vying for those programs, grants, uh, you know, getting into a gallery. It's very difficult. But here, maybe there's less of it. You know, there, so I mean, there are too many artists, don't you think? There are too many, there's too much of everything. And is there, <sighs> is this, like in the old days, there seemed to be like these gatekeepers I mean, you can still make art. You just might not have yeah. to make able to make a living out of it. And it seems like I think where you're going with the entitlement <laughs> is, you know, there are folks coming out of even BFA programs that feel like they should from day one make a living out of art, which yeah, but, but or playing an instrument like that just just doesn't. Happen, yeah. I think. Well, I think when you come out of art school, part of our problem is no one prepares anyone for coming out of art school. Yeah. So when Jason and I were in, we went to school together. We went to. A university together and studied art so we had already started like putting together shows and doing things that a quote real artist would do we started it in college but we and we were a small group of, of kids that did that the rest of them i don't know what they thought would happen when they got out of art school there is no support system for people coming out of art school everybody else my step my sister studied business she got an internship she went to work for a business uh, yeah. and now she's no, rich but, <laughs> and so, but, but anyway the but the point is it's like we're also we're, we've created art school, whatever that is, and then we're not preparing anybody to ever make a living at art. It's almost one of the it's one of the few things that you can get a degree in where there's really very little hope. Isn't that, that a can, failure of the academic system? Yes, it right? is. Yeah. It absolutely is. But when you go back, like I, I was a guest teacher and I tried my best to constantly tell students and they don't want to hear that there's a marketplace. That's right. That's a dirty that's word. An, anathema, oh, yes. anathema to their ideal of what an artist is. Yet I'm like, but how will you make money? Because you have to use the marketplace. And then I sound like some cynical creep that's just after right. the money. Instead, I've just been around the block. Like I know, yeah. and I know that you can make work. You can make artwork at home and do another job. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. It's just that you have to be aware of all of the different threads and like try kind of decide what you want to go for just like anybody else getting a degree in anything else but in the art world you, it's just supposed to be this mystical right. thing that's happening to you you have this cool loft in New York and you're making yeah. work somehow you get yeah. it and it, it, a lot of times somebody it's brings parents. you a latte <laughs> yeah. yeah and then you're like well how do you what, you know I think I could you know in, in college people need to say well how do you see that happening to the students I mean it's changing a little bit uh, it is and, changing but a, a lot bit. of it also then you know you have the MFA puppy mill which can be fabulous but when it's not 
link to like what you're saying in terms of you've got to be an entrepreneur and it's a business yeah. and get over this, you know, again, to even be having a conversation like that today, you know, it's like the market. Yeah. Everything in here is for sale. Sure. Like why, is, yeah. but why, why is it? A, it's not a dirty word. It's That's not how a dirty you word. Buy it's supplies how, and it, feed exactly. yourself. And, and it's how you move on and make more work or, or work like a bit work. more yeah, ambitious. Absolutely right. But I think the whole idea of becoming an artist out of, art school is incredibly problematic. And one thing that happened when I was teaching is I asked the students, I was like, I want you to say out loud to the class, I am an artist. And the looks on their faces, it was very difficult. And I was like, why? You're in art school. You're going to graduate. You will be an artist. It's what you're studying. That's a big word, though, I think. Joe just got That's what I'm saying. Why, why is that a big word? And why No, because, I mean, an artist is like Picasso that? standing no. there in his underwear, no, no, you know, no. with a brush no. versus, you, you know. You need to forget about that. I've I... better. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of all the, the, all the extra crap that people try to append on the titles now to make it even more important. I'm extended this or multi. Yeah, but you know, I think, like, no, okay, just, okay, but again, that is the problem. The mythology well, it's also advertising become, and positioning, right? You know? No, no, but it's become so strong, and especially this idea of the male artist being this egomaniac, so that makes it harder for somebody in art school, like a 20-year-old woman, to say, I am an artist. You're not putting anything... That's not ego. That should be factual. No, no, I see your face. The, that's the problem. The, that's no, the problem. I, the myth-making is crashing together with this thing that should be a simple What's phrase. going in my head is like, and I'm drilling down too far, and um, and I have some great students this semester, so I'm, I'm not single. I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, no, but I'm thinking, like, to me, it's also, like, it's so subjective on, on the individual level, but, like, where's the work? I mean, like, I, it's taken me a long time to even make work that's worthy or to have an understanding to throw a title like that. No, but you're still an artist. You have always okay. been an artist. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. You should be able to claim that if you go to... If you go to law school, you say, I'm a lawyer. You study to be a doctor. Why are artists having such a hard time claiming that word for themselves I have as, heard as, it so, and, as a professional? And read it. I think some folks, it's also when you're around like the quote, the dreaded Sunday painter kind of thing. And it's like that, the folks that usually are the ones no. that are the loudest in the room, oh, I'm an artist. And you're like, you're a... And it's petty and it's judgmental. You got to kick all that stuff away. Oh, kick I, it, I, kick I'm, it away. Yeah, I know. I, I'm yeah. It's a waste of mental energy. But, but you're an artist. That's, you are an artist. Thank you. <laughs> and always have been, most likely. No, he. When I first met him, and I, we we were on a trip, and and we were in Kansas City, and I remember having a conversation with you, and and you said, no, 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 no I'm a painter, and then he said, but. You know, that's problematic because people then they'd call you because yeah. they think you can paint their house. And then, and, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so we were having, you know, that, and, and then the other day we were sending the wall text back and forth for, for this, um, that was for brevity. That was for brevity. See, oh, they disqualify. They say that it's, yeah, right. I, I mean, but the thing is, like, you, you're going... The first draft, by the way, excuse me. The this first is turning draft, into a brain fuzz intervention. We're <laughs> all sitting on the opposite no. side of the table. The first draft of that, <laughs> I specifically said, painter Joe Camusa. Yeah. Because I thought, and it came back artist, and I went, oh. But it was painter that, and I think something. you had some really long title, and I just thought... So I'm just what, saying, what, to be success, <laughs> successful. So what title do you want? Or what yeah, do you say? Good point. What do you prefer? 
a lot of times I just tell people like I make paintings and drawings and stuff on paper and just kind of leave it really I don't I don't know artists it depends on talking you, to but don't you think like you don't have to be an egomaniac but don't you think by saying it that way you're so, you're softening it so it doesn't sound too aggressive but you know you've worked hard and you've worked for a long period of time on your craft and not to be like this again that terrible image of what a painter is this dude wielding a paintbrush and like mm-hmm. having like eight wives and whatever isn't it rodney graham on the cover of the studio reader that thing where he's in this awesome like yeah. mid-century mind yes. in his pajamas and he's doing morris lewis yes. paintings right that's the, with a nice hi-fi oh, system yeah. it's like a playboy uh that. you know <laughs> article from the late 60s anyway yeah I but i mean you've, you've worked hard i think that thank you to I, be successful in almost any field, you do have to lay some claim as oh, to yeah. who you are, what you've done, and tell people about it in a way that you're just trying to share. So why were your students looking at you in a... Were they... The same reason we just talked about. They were very nervous to claim that title out loud, to history. say it to themselves. It really was Even that. though they're getting an art degree. And I knew that because of myself. I have an art degree. A degree in the arts. I, I studied painting and drawing and printmaking, and I knew that that was difficult. So I I made them do it, and they said it. Like, ah, yeah, I'm like, going to say anything, you <laughs> know. And, and I think yeah, the catch is, is that despite, I mean, I think every artist feels like they are somehow within that lineage of art history. That you're going to have this giant timeline, and you're going to have Picasso and all these people, and at some point, your name's going to appear at the end. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing about like taxing, taxing the rich, right? We all think that we're going to be there. Um, and I think what Jen's saying is like, and what we've also learned is that being an artist is just being a small business. And yes, <laughs> you know, oh, there's a whole lot that goes into it. it, it is, yes, it's, right. it's, it's, the, the promotion and the doing the work and sharing the work, and accounting. also my yeah. whole thing is find How people. Do you invoice people like mm-hmm. it's a real skill. Well, that and can, can totally shut people down. Yeah. You also have to find people that will help you. Yeah, and that's the most important thing. I was like, find your supporters in, in, you know, whether it be somebody that buys a painting, of course, that's wonderful, but you also need people around you. Like I curate a show. I invite you, you know, you curate one. Right. And it, it's, you've got to build community or you're, cause otherwise we're all like, we always go back yeah. to music. It's like, you're a solo artist. You're your own roadie. And I think, you know, again, looking just to make this happen, like Scott, he's got a band you yeah. know, and he's got yeah. a producer. Street, he's yeah. got, Right. And that's what you need. And we and this is a way of us as artists, we do support what he's doing. We believe yeah. in this and you know, it's out it's outside even though it is for sale, there is something about this show that is outside the marketplace that it's or not entirely about that. Um, and it's also a place where we can kind of talk about different ideas and feel a little bit more free and not be sweating it when you have a solo show at a gallery, praying that it will sell or your gallery will kick you out. Yeah. <laughs> so but I wanna just expand on what you just said. So I was an artist and was represented by a gallery here and then became a musician. And it was really the focus on becoming a small business that helped to make that transition. So when you're an artist, you make these things that are basically luxury objects for people to spend lots of money on. You make them in places that are usually very discreet, so they have to go to a certain place, a museum, a gallery, in a bespoke places to see that thing. And when you're a musician, all of a sudden, your channels for distribution open up, right? Like, anybody can yeah. download your song. Like, now with YouTube, that's how every album is released. It's released on YouTube. Everybody gets it the same day. Uh, you can tour. You can sell that widget for $10, or at this point, a dollar for a song. It's a different 
um, economic scale for getting your original artistic product out in the world. And for some reason, that is not translated to the visual arts at all. It's really gotten stuck into this luxury object. Well, you can still show your work. You can show the work online. You can show it on Instagram. And some people sell on Instagram, although that's less common. Um, But there still seems to be in the art world, it is a very old-fashioned way to run a business. And artists talk constantly about kind of breaking out of that and looking for new forms and new ways but it, it in the end it is pretty it's pretty hard to create a new system so you're showing the work nobody's stopping that but ultimately it all kind of goes back to a show like this or a gallery or an art fair and yeah or friends so we just saw some lights we don't know what that means but uh, <laughs> like before we I, I want to make sure we get to this because I can see us we could riff on this for hours um, your work, yes, it's hard to explain, but it's what a football field away from us right, right now, uh, <laughs> two thousand feet away yeah. from us, I think. Um, and uh, I think people identify the glitter, at least when we're walking around talking about it in this in, in this installation. But can you give us a little bit more about the work? And yes, um, I've always made work. You know, it's it's always a, a feminist bent on what I do. I have a lot of avatars, like the, my characters mm-hmm. I consider uh, my avatars. And I do um, painting, and I do a lot of performance art, actually, and some video work, and kind of a little bit of everything. But what I set out to do is basically kind of create my own world with my own characters, and that's what I've always done. Everything I do kind of goes back into this world of for the most part, all female characters. Occasionally I, I veer off and have like a, <clears throat> a male character here and there. Usually it's shown as an animal, but that's the size of my... Um, so, what kind of animal? Uh, some big hairy animal usually. Huh. Um, no offense. It's been husband. years. I, you haven't really drawn a man. I haven't. I've always, in, I've always been just really interested in... It's probably been 15 years since you've drawn yeah, a man. But I've always been interested in like how women think and what their worlds are like and I think about myself in relation to that as well and then these new pieces are more the singular figure and the, and the new work the pieces that are here it's a bit of a change for me although people will recognize my style in mm-hmm. the work so yeah. again I never have like a huge difference I mean I always want to kind of feed into this world I created but anyway so these are these are figures that are covered with this kind of glittery sparkly cloak and then you can see their eyes and you can see their legs and some shoes and I actually consider them basically like warriors or knights Mm -hmm. and I I have to say after all of the recent social movements of the last couple of years I wanted to create a character that could look out of this costume but kind of remain hidden and also like you see glimpses of flesh like they could be different sizes they can be different like racial makeups like I I just I was didn't want to get so specific anymore and I felt like it was kind of a time for women women had become so exposed I wanted to like make a bit of a disguise <laughs> mm-hmm. for them but not something passive more again more like a superhero more something in this case it is very glittery sounds very new york to me they're I not mean, trying like to the, the guys you need the armor you need to navigate that city right in and general then, as a male yeah. or female and but. i think i think that's very true and and i wanted to make it of course kind of like powerful and glamorous and exciting 
So it's not a way of, um, like even I did some pieces in camouflage, but the, it's glitter camouflage, which I like because it basically goes against what camouflage is actually for. But I do consider these like warrior knights, and this is their costume. Um, and then there is a little bit of a an idea in there. I can't say it's not, although I don't address it that much, but there is this idea of women that are covered yes. in different societies. Yes. And one thing that always interested me is this, idea that women are wearing a religious costume, they're covered. But you know how people say that a lot of times, um, like, wealthy women underneath are wearing, like, Chanel. And so I started thinking about this a lot. Like, very Western, super high fashion underneath this religious cloak. And, like, almost like if you flip that up, what it would look like underneath. So I I did start Mm. thinking a little bit about that, too, this costume. Um, and you so, said he was a provocateur, but that's very provocative. And I wonder, have you gotten, talk about blowback, have you gotten any blowback on that? Because you're challenging. No, it's funny because I feel like for me it's very organic. Like I didn't really set out okay. for it to be that way. But I can't say that it's not. I mean, I, I, I'm always, I like to be fully aware of what I'm doing. I don't mm-hmm. ever want to be one of those artists that mm-hmm. you, when you ask me a question, I say, what are you talking about? I, I hate that. It's like, be aware, <laughs> be aware of the images you're creating and what they're saying. And I feel like there's enough kind of mixed into what I'm doing that we can look at it from a couple of different angles. So I didn't like full on, like say, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's always a discussion. I don't have the answers. And I think as an artist, it's like you put it out there. You're saying like, you know, let's let's talk about this or this is kind of my way of presenting it. But it's never really like, you know, oh, I have the answers. This is this is it. It should be glitter well, a, religious outfits. A cold read on this. If one looks with a cold read, um, it's do you feel that feminists have been too quiet? About Islam? That is a very big question, and... It's a big question. I would say yes. I would definitely say yes, although I do feel that in certain cultures, I don't think it's up to us to ride to the rescue either. Like, there are things happening that we're not even a part of that they're doing. Mm -hmm. If they need our help, fine. But they're also making their own changes. And so... Yeah. So, like, you don't have to be, like, the great... I, I don't even want to say those words. You don't have to ride in on a horse. Uh, it's it's almost like, yeah, yeah, fix your own problems. And <laughs> Well, it's not just that. Like, I would never say, like, you fix it. Because I know that sometimes, you know, obviously... Or to critique it, I should say. Maybe I'm misspeaking. But to critique Orthodox, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Jewish community or Islam, I mean... It's it's the very... The problem, like, when ultimately, I, wait, is people. No. <laughs> the problem Man. is people. He's good. Okay, we're good. We got it. You know, the problem <laughs> is people. That's it. <laughs> well, when I grew up, I mean, we had Pentecostals in my neighborhood. You know, they had long hair down to their waist, culottes, and giant crosses. Or maybe they didn't have crosses. That might be... Um, culottes. Um, culottes and crosses. Culottes. <laughs> I don't That's, think they had crosses. I don't think they were allowed. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like, who am I to be like... But were they like snake handlers? That... We did have, like, yeah, it was pretty, wow. uh, but I, I do, I find it difficult because I feel like that's very, um, That was my point about, like, say, like, if you're walking, yeah. you know, in, in Williamsburg and to have an issue with uh, the Hasidic community, you know, it's like. It is, right. it's yeah. a complicated thing. Um, if you want to make changes, you do need partners and, and, you know, I would definitely help people if they needed some change. Sure. But I just think it's very arrogant to be like, 
what you're doing is wrong when like not so long ago we were dressed as pilgrims we're wearing full length black like don't mm-hmm. forget like the pilgrims were also like a religious sect that was pretty out there and so we've like cured ourselves so we can point at other groups and say like you're wrong and it's like well, you know who the hell do you think you are <laughs> So this is fascinating to me because I only recently realized that there are um, different stripes, flavors in feminism, Mm -hmm. and that the new feminism is not... I don't understand the landscape, the political landscape of feminism. First of all, what is it now? The minefield? (laughs) What is it now to be a feminist? I don't know, but I will tell you one thing. Like Like, when I was in Germany... Feminism there was very 70s style, like very much about the goddess and very like uh, granola. And they felt that the feminist in America, younger feminist, was very marketed, like like hot, you know, like cute and like easily digestible, um, very pop. Like I I felt like they felt it was very pop. And um, I I was kind of surprised by that. But to them, because they never had like a third wave of feminism. Like, we, they've never had, like, the Riot Girls like we did, right? right? So I'm coming from Riot Girl kind of punkish kind of feminism. Now there's a different kind. But anyway, they never went through that. So they're stuck back at, like, writing about it. Again, it's very, it's super intellectual, very leftist, incredible. And we don't even have something like hmm. leftism, not really. I mean, they'll say not we do, but not, not in comparison to, like, European leftists. So anyway, when they look at us, because we also had this whole punk thing, they just see like girls that are like, yeah, you know, ooh, wearing cute clothes, yeah, and they're they're not like that. But yeah. then for me, younger feminists, they're trying to manage a whole different set of feminist ideas and expectations. Well, because the challenges have changed, right? I mean, it seems to me that if you have the seventies, as you say, the seventies. Uh, what, does it break down into 70s by decade or is or it? Or like waves. I waves. guess they, they say different That's right. Okay, feminism. I was reading about the waves. Yeah, How many waves, waves are there? You know what? I asked somebody else that. I'm like, what wave are we on now? So I don't know. So can we even <laughs> agree like on that? First, second, third. I think of like Gen X is uh, like the Riot Girls, probably third. I think that's third wave. <laughs> can we agree on that? Probably not. <laughs> is Pussy Riot third third wave or? No, that's 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 later. And then some people have an issue with like Pussy Riot, and they're, you know, again, they're in a whole nother culture. Yeah, and they're doing whole things. different set of challenges. Yeah, and I've never really totally embraced them, but I really can't because they're speaking to something else that is not that American. And right. so one of the founder of Pussy Riot came to Miami, and she gave this talk at Art Basel Miami, and I went to see her, and she started talking about like when she. When she's doing something, it means jail. Like, for her, it could mean a beating. Yeah. Or she goes into a prison and you never see her again. And that could be a social media post, right? And and she even has a kid. Like, she was doing all this stuff, and she has a kid and a family, and meanwhile, she's being thrown into prison. So her stakes are, like, way high. Wow. And somebody, so I'm watching her really intensely, and then this friend of mine comes up. He's like, yo, what's up? You know, like, being silly, like, we're going to get a drink. And I, I just turned on him, and I was like, shut up. Are you <laughs> I serious? Like, because I was like, here's a woman speaking. And for her, it is life and death. It's not like I'm just a cool, you know, I'm right. just going to make this cool it's not statement. Instagram post, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's really, really hard. So even though I, I don't like, Maybe their aesthetics that much, but I respect the cause and like what she's trying to do. Well, I, I've just met um, some people that just throw around that they're a feminist, and, and it's like, well, that's I don't think it's doing the movement a service. 
if if you just throw that around. We'll take anybody you got. Really? Okay. <laughs> just right. like, we need troops here. <laughs> no, but, I think, um, uh, but it's it's actually like a new thing because when I was in Germany, I actually ran this feminist group with a lot of international people, some Germans, but a sprinkling of basically everybody. And we had a hard time at that point, just going back to this, like, say you're an artist thing, yeah. embracing the word feminist. And at that yeah. point, it was not cool. It was so uncool when we were doing it. And then this other friend of mine was really concerned with the patriarchy. And I was like, oh, these terms. They're yeah. just, little patriarchy and feminism. Cut to like a year and a half. And it was just like this, you know, bubbled up and kind of an explosion where people took back these words and made them cool again. But when we started this group, I was like, can we come up? I mean, it's almost embarrassing for myself. I was like, can we come up with another term for feminism? One that's like a little more now. Yeah, <laughs> like you're right. cool. <laughs> And um, then I didn't have to because it wasn't up to me anyway. Feminism, like, blew up and, and became wildly popular. But I didn't want that. I wanted this other thing. <laughs> like, going back to what we're saying, yeah. like, finding a new word for things. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not up to you. You think it is, but it's not. Going from Berlin, New York, Atlanta, um, are there differences in the communities that, in which you've been involved in? I mean, when we were in Berlin, and you can speak to this too, but it's very international, and that's why so many people are drawn to Berlin, because the people, that, I mean, of course you're friends with German people, yeah. but Norwegians, French, yeah. Spanish, Japanese, Italians, like... It, Italian. Yeah, so like people show up, and usually they have some grasp of English, and we all kind of communicate, but it's so international. And New York's international, but not like Berlin, because that became like a magnet to just to draw people into this city to be creatives because there's very little industry there so it's really about going there and making music doing graphic design mm -hmm. plays I mean performance my work also comes from Berlin it's ex incredibly performance heavy without so many boundaries so that's where my work comes from so I'm from. not familiar with the performance work it's all on the website it's all Generally. on the website but right, so by the way if, if someone wanted to learn more what would the website be? genreart.com mm -hmm. I think is my main website and um, and then my Instagram is genreaynyc so you can see more and there. that's Ray without a W correct that's R-A-Y J-E-N-R-A-Y oh. <laughs> oh we're giving the, uh, oh. This is giving the I, I wanted to talk I, 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 we're just in the good part of this I'm, I know I feel sorry. like but let me I'm ask done. you something Data visualization. You jumped around. You went from criticism to data visualization. Uh, absolutely not directly, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> You've been able to jump jump between domains and... Uh, so That is true. It's true. That's a good arts education. Problem solving, creative thinking, perhaps. Absolutely. Right. That is, that, that's what it's supposed to be. And you that's what that it is. That that's what it is. Um, I'll be brief. Um was here, was my degree in photography, was a photography and video art critic for the AJC, left that, as we talked about, hastily, um, moved to New York to become an international art star, hated it, uh, started screwing around with electronic music on the computer, that blew up wildly, way beyond my expectations, uh, started traveling internationally, then we moved to Berlin for nine and a half years, Wow! and uh, so lots of crazy stuff happened in, in there, and then... I had this concert uh, that was great, uh, but I realized that I was the oldest person in the building. Um, and I was like, I don't By know, double. 38, 39. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I probably need to figure out my next chapter. Uh, 
had been working with Photoshop since it was zero in, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, it was what, just called Photoshop. Right? Yeah, it was 1990 that I started it uh, with Photoshop. Versions, it was just Photoshop. <laughs> it was Photoshop. That's yeah. what it was. Photoshop Zero. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it sounds like Coke Zero now. Yeah. Photoshop yeah. Zero. Yeah. So, anyways, um, and I, you know, I, I just got involved. I, I then co-founded a startup on online video, and in the act of doing that, learned a lot about software development. Um, and then my startup was almost successful, which means that it was not successful. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, Ed, I worked as a UX designer for a long time. Uh, and then you explain what that is, though. User experience design. It was basically what started off as being like a webmaster, which then turned into being yeah. like a UI designer, which then turned into basically the people that understand how people use software and then kind of understand the patterns for it. And then um, I knew a lot about software and then, I knew all the stuff about how we collect data and how we organize it and how we create products to kind of use that, but I didn't actually know what happened to it, right? We talk about data all the time, and it's just like data, 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 like big data, big data. It was like this huge, crazy arms race, data, data, data. We have to collect all the data. But then the reality is that literally nobody knows what data means. How to visualize it. Yeah, literally nobody. Like the whole thing behind big data, this whole sham behind it is that you have all these data warehouses that are stored and literally no one even knows what the number means. And we still got line pie charts and bar graphs. And then, so what I did, I got involved with that and, and now learning all the different types of charts and kind of what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do and the history of it. Yeah, so I work on data visualization yeah, now, but you're which actually really is really interesting because it takes me almost all the way full six, 360 back to the beginning and I feel like I'm actually working more as an artist in the business context. I believe that's that. great. But uh, I wanted to say one last thing about it. Like after learning so much about it, Jason started doing a lot of projects that fo- focused on social justice issues yeah. and using that data instead of thinking of evil data where they track your every move right. and right. sell you things. Well, you actually started taking a lot of that data and putting it into the context of, you know, uh, homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, Gender disparity, uh, racism throughout history. I mean, you started using it for this other thing that I think, in in some way, relates more to the arts as well. Like this. Well, I mean, authority and authenticity became like into into question with because some data scientists started to play around with what the data is in store, like Cambridge Analytica, Um, Mm -hmm. and so that kind of started to throw all of our facts and, uh, and core beliefs into. Uh, into doubt, and so I think you know part of the idea of transitioning into data visualization is to also like you know how do you actually present a fact? How do you have someone understand what the numbers really mean as opposed to how you can twist them in the wrong direction so yeah it's, and, and, and it 's funny because as I now do it for a long time or a while, and I realize it's really i'm some people can focus really on making these complicated charts and lots of numbers and decimal points that go three places. And it really comes almost back to the art again of like how do you convince somebody about something? And sometimes it's with data, sometimes it's with a color, a slogan, an image, something. I mean, when I think Pussy Riot, I think about the the pink fluorescent uh, balaclavas, yeah. right? right. Mm-hmm. And that's like really an, a very powerful mm-hmm. uh, uh, idea. It's an idea of what mm-hmm. Pussy Riot is. And and I and I, that's what I'm totally fascinated by is that now I, I actually have quite a lot of tools I can kind of pick from to like make these things. Happen. I so enjoyed this, and I would yeah, love to do yeah, Thanks for two. Let's do it at some point in some place in the world. Well, we'll because maybe New York. All right. Well, first of all, come to New York. <laughs>
You were just listening to a live stream recording of Brain Fuzz on site from their residency at the Temporary Arts Centre in Atlanta. Subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platform, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and Stitcher. Thanks for looking through the window.